You're listening to an Anderson Entertainment production. This episode, the numbers have stabilised in Fab Facts. It's our very first appearance from Brian Blessed on the randomizer. And we're recapping the first ever virtual Space 1999 convention. Ooh, that's all coming up in Pod 178 of the Jerry Anderson Podcast. Let's get started. Let's go. Spectrum is green. The Jerry Anderson Podcast with Jamie Anderson and Richard James. Pod 178 of the Jerry Anderson Podcast with me, Richard N. James, and him, I'm Jamie Anderson. Uh, yes. Hello. Thank you for that lovely intro. How Thought how, I'd dive in. We did dive straight in, head first. Yeah, no um, messing about. I'm more of a sort of belly flopper, I think. So, I uh, had noticed. That's, yes. how, that's my normal intro to the podcast, anyway. Uh, and also <laughs> joining us... Oh, yes. It's Chris Dale. Oh, look at him. Uh, now, I think uh, after last what? week, he's actually had yeah. to reprogram the randomizer. Um, I see. So yes. it looks like he's got the back panel open. There's wires Gosh. everywhere. There's a few he's got those... oh, sparks. Yeah, he's got the sort of visor down on that uh, little thing he's got on his head. And is that a blowtorch? Goodness me, Chris, I, I'm not sure oh. that's good for fine electronics. Oh, yes. Okay, well, now. let's hope he manages to put the randomizer back together in time mm. for this week's randomizer, where he randomly picks, with the randomizer, a random episode from a random Jerry Anderson show and, uh, yeah. well, talks us through it, really. Yeah. That's it. That's it. That's why it's called the randomizer, essentially. Yes. That's all you need to know, isn't it? That's exactly it. So, Chris, good luck with your repairs. We wish you well. And do let us know if you need any extra, you know, solder or uh, wires or uh, wire strippers or anything like that. That's uh, things to strip the plastic off wire in case you were confused. Anyway, uh, what else have we got? I know that. (laughs) What else have we got this week in Pod 178? It's the Jerry Anderson podcast. So we've got all sorts of stuff to do with... Jerry Anderson. That's a surprise. Uh, that's the world famous and legendary producer of such shows as Thunderbirds, Captain Scarlet, Terror Hawks, Space 1999, Space Precinct, New Captain Scarlet, Lavender Castle, you name it, he made it. And we're here to celebrate all things Jerry Anderson. For the next hour and a half or so, we've got some newsy news, news, news uh, from the Jerry Anderson universe coming up shortly. We've got uh, some emails and some facebook posts and some youtube and twitterings uh, from our podstrons that's you our lovely listeners yeah and any moment now we've got fab facts but glossing, over, no, 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 glossing over that yeah. uh, we've also got a look back at a recent space 1999 virtual convention Tell us more, Jamie. Uh, yes, organised by uh, Bob and Warren. There was a, a full mm. eight hours of interviews, oh. all sorts of stuff with all sorts of uh, guests from across the Space 1999 universe, including Muggins here. They must have been desperate. Right. Yes. But don't worry, it's not eight hours. We've got about a 30-minute recap, giving you all the highlights in case you missed it, with kind permission of uh, the team from Destination Moonbase Alpha. Uh, and I believe they are aiming to run a convention at the end of next year. We will have more details for you Ooh. later in the show. Wonderful. Time to crack out the old Space 1999 tops. Oh, yes, and make sure you bring hey? your comlock. 
Yes, absolutely. Great. All that and much more coming up in the next hour and a half. Stay exactly where you are. Can you believe it's an hour and a half? Goodness me. I don't know, it is about I don't know that, how it? we do it. It really is no. almost exactly every single yeah. week. Yeah, uh, yeah. Now, to get us warmed up, uh, we yes. like to do something that I like to call Fab Facts. Oh, right. Now, time for this week's Fab Facts. Yes, it's your yes. favourite Postron yes. and mine, yes. but not really James's. Yes. It's mm. Fab Facts. If you're new to this segment or new to this podcast, well, welcome along. Um, I've got a yeah. book of Fab Facts you're right welcome here. welcome to it. Uh, all yeah. right, careful. Uh, book of Fab Facts right here. That's me slapping the book. Uh, I'm going to flick through it at a random point. Richard James over there will say Hi. Fab. He might even call it, but hopefully not shout it. At which point I'll stop flicking. Hopefully I will land on a page which has a Fab Fact on it, and I will read you said Fab Fact in a way that hopefully makes it sound slightly fab. Richard, are you ready? <laughs> yes, I'm looking forward to it. I shall be doing my best. Anyway, here we go. Fab! Ooh. I almost ran out of uh, thumb to flick Ooh, with there. Sorry about that. Gosh. Okay. You need to look into your thumb to flick ratio, don't you? I, I really do. That's the problem there. It's because yeah. the, it's such a mighty tome, you see. Yes, it's very a difficult. pretty mighty thumb. Uh, thank you very much. Yes, I've, I've had the reviews in. Uh, anyway, look, Richard, one of the hallmarks of Anderson shows is the very yes. positive approach that Dad chose to take in his storytelling. And that's something, actually, which we're learning a lot more about in the process of the documentary. So um, ah, more on that when yeah. we can see Jerry Anderson Life Uncharted next year. Yeah. There were some shows, however, that took a darker turn, Uh-oh. like Cat and Scarlet, UFO, and of course, oh, yeah. most frighteningly of all, <gasps> Torchy the Battery Boy. <sighs> but by and large, Anderson shows avoided the pessimistic tone that was commonplace in science fiction at the time. Hmm. One such Debbie Downer was a forgotten <laughs> flick called ZPG, although it was probably ZPG, wasn't it? ZPG? But I'm going to go super anglicised and say yeah. ZPG for the purpose of this. Okay. So... What does ZPG stand for, you might ask? Well, that was the question on the tip of my tongue. Well, Richard, if you watched the film in theatres in 1972, you'd have to wait to the end to find out. But today we've got Google. So a quick Google search reveals that the answer is zero population growth. Right, sounds thrilling. As the title suggests, ZPG paints a rosy picture of the future where overpopulation has become so commonplace that to give birth is a capital crime. (laughs) It sounds a laugh a minute. Don't laugh. Uh, One couple, played by the talented (laughs) Oliver Reed and Geraldine Chaplin, decide to try and fight the system. And the results are... (gasps) Spoiler alert. Uh, Actually kind of okay. Our heroes lived happily ever after, but the film did not. Hmm. Uh, Although remembered by a few enthusiasts of now us here on the Fat Facts, it mostly resides in obscurity. Right. However... There is one distinguishing factor about ZPG that merits its inclusion in this book of fab facts. I wondered when we get round to it. Yeah, if we got there eventually. It is the first production to feature the talents of Derek Meddings after his departure from Century 21. Oh. That's right, the legendary designer of such vehicles as Thunderbird 2 didn't jump straight into James Bond, Superman and all that glitzy fare. Instead... His first job, independent of his old bosses, was this low-budget production. Right. To be fair, Derek does a great job creating some very cool miniatures in this sort of smoggy version of the future. A vehicle that conveys the deadly extermination chambers. 
right. uh, bears a resemblance to the heli jets of the supermarination era. Mm. There's even the voice of Shane Rimmer playing over a loudspeaker. Ah, oh, great. Uh, some sources credit Derek with the creation of some terrifying electronic babies that are handed out to pacify <laughs> would-be parents. That's sinister, isn't it? Yeah, um, it is a bit. We can't be sure if Derek created these, but the miniatures and other effects have a clear medding style and could have been outtakes from a much darker version of UFO. A much darker version of UFO. Yeah, even darker than dark, yeah. <laughs> wow. Uh, as for Derek, he would soon be hired to work on Live and Let Die, and the rest, mm. as they say, is history. So, ah. do you remember ZPG or ZPG? Do you know uh, more about the Anderson Connections of this obscure production? If so, please do email us. We'd love to hear from you. Podcast at jerryanderson.com Wow. Uh, can it be seen? Is it on YouTube, dare we ask? Well, I don't know that. I've got all the answers. No. I've just got a book here. Oh, I, oh, I see. I see. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Well, I'll have a look then. I'll find out myself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Have a look. Have a look, see. Um, <laughs> I mean, it does. It sounds like a, a, a sort of cult plot of a Space Precinct episode to me. Oh, yes, doesn't it? Yes, you're right. But also mixed with, I don't know if you remember, I think 1970s movie Logan's Run mm. with, uh, oh, was it Simon McCorkindale? Why do I want to say that? It might have been. I don't know. Yeah, Maybe. And uh, Jenny Agatha is what most people remember it for. Oh, yes. Uh, again, a, a pretty uh, sort of dystopian idea in that I think once people hit 30, in this uh, futuristic society, they're essentially euthanized, as they're considered not to be of any any further use. Yeah, how cheery. Isn't it? Well, that's you and me <laughs> done for. Yes, I think you're right, yeah. Mm. But I don't, think, uh, I don't think it featured any electronic babies. Oh, what a shame. Yeah. Well, if there ain't no electronic babies, I'm not interested. So, uh... No, but of course, Space Precinct did, as we know. Yes. Oh, that tarn yeah, baby. Yeah, the little tarn baby, me. yes. Right. Yeah, I remember making my own... Really? Yeah, I had all the all Out the of? all the parts from the spare parts. You're so, joking? No, seriously. So in the in the model shop at the back of L and M stage, which is where that Tarn Baby was made, and Richard Gregory yeah. was making the proper animatronic version because yeah. you remember it stuck its thumb in its mouth and it yes. uh, it did have little animatronics in its head. Yes. Um, yeah, I, I had all the sort of um, the oh. test casts, I suppose. Yeah, and uh, glued it all together and had my own Tarn Baby for a while. How sweet. Yeah, it fell apart eventually. Because oh, um, I think so it was silicon rather than uh, yeah. foam rubber to try and get the weight and the consistency of the, uh, yeah. of the skin. Anyway, well, uh, we've well, gone well. off topic here. We um, have a bit, yes. Sort of. But uh, yeah. let's like, leave the Tarn Babies aside. That was our uh, ZPG fact. What a bit of connection to Jerry Anderson via Derek Meddings. So there we go. That is, rather clunkily, the end of this week's... Baby Fact! <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure it was strictly Which, uh, a baby fact, but uh, I'll, I'll take that. Fine. It makes it sound like a whole other podcast, doesn't it, to be yes, honest? it really does. Yeah. Okay, never now, mind. Uh, we have had some emails through this week. Oh, thank uh, goodness. Podcast. Back yeah, to sanity. JerryAnderson.com. Back to... When well, you say that, Scott By got in touch to say, Hello, Jamie, Richard and Chris. You may have heard recently that actor William Shatner went into space as part of the Blue Origin team. Yes, I did hear something about that, Scott. He says, this gave me an idea. Would it be possible to send Matt Zimmerman, the voice of Alan Tracy, into space next? Perhaps have another Thunderbird 3, Thunderbird 5, or a Zero X model sent up as well. Keep up the great work, FAB from Scott. 
Well, I suppose we could always ask. Couldn't we? I, I don't think you can volunteer as a third party oh, to go to space. Oh, I think it, no, no. I, I think they have to be fairly actively involved. On it. I'm not sure that's in Matt's current uh, plans. Yeah, yeah. I don't think Matt. I, I know. I don't know him at all. Really, I met him a few times at various conventions. I'm not sure he'd be up for that. It's not yeah. really. Not, not his, his tea, yeah. not his area. No. I mean, he, he he does tell stories of effects shots on UFO, where, which he didn't enjoy, and that was only falling oh. ten feet. So uh, <laughs> right. I think going yeah. that far up maybe wouldn't be for Mr. Zimmerman. No, no, maybe not. But nice idea, Scott. Stephen Watson says hi, Jamie, Richard, and Chris. I have one of your excellent Thunderbird two hoodies. And it occurred to me that the perfect complement would be a set of six numbered matching green T-shirts numbered on the rear, pod one, pod two, (laughs) etc. On the front of one, the mole, another, an elevator car, another, Thunderbird 4, etc. Well, says Stephen, I like the idea. Uh, Love the podcast, of course, and thanks to everyone not in front of a microphone who helped make it all run so beautifully. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's nice. Absolutely, yes. Thanks, team. Brilliant work. So I quite, I quite like that. Taking off the sweatshirt to reveal the pods inside. That's quite a nice idea. It is. I've now got a a vision for some uh, pod-related T-shirts. So uh, if if they come to to being, Stephen, we'll have to send you one. Absolutely. Yes, you heard it here first. Uh, Dom Riley says, Greetings, Jamie, Richard and Chris. Hope you're all keeping well in these bizarre times. I've been muddling along. The podcast has been really helping me the past 18 months, keeping me sane through some difficult times recently. Justin and Lindsay's interview was very informative. Nice to hear Thomas the Tank's lesser well-known cousin, Tugs, get a mention. Secretly, I prefer the latter, says Dom. Uh, Gary Martin's interview was really entertaining and I hadn't realised he'd voiced so much. I've recently been working my way through lesser-known Anderson productions, including Lavender Castle, and for Christmas I've asked for The Protectors on DVD, and although I've watched it before, Space Precinct. No doubt that will bring a smile to a certain man who starred in said show, not that he mentions it much. Yeah, Lou Hirsch never mentions no, it, does no, he? No, he never talks about it. He, no, he really doesn't. Uh, <laughs> anywho, he says, I've waffled enough. Take care and keep up the great work, guys. Cheers from Dom Riley. It's Thank nice. you very much, Dom. Uh, yeah, and how nice to hear that we've sort of helped you through some difficult times as well. I think we've all needed, and we, over the last, oh gosh, year and a half, some familiar voices and some friends to turn to once Absolutely. a week. And it's been our pleasure. Philip Probert says, uh, Dear Jamie and Richard, fans will no doubt be aware that a certain horrific TV channel in the UK, what all that could be, has just started re-screening episodes of UFO. Huzzah! He says, however, for each advert break, there's a two-second clip of the interceptor pilots leaping down the tubes into their craft. Take a look at the astronaut in the middle, and you'll see that his jumpsuit splits on the side, revealing a white vest underneath. Oops. Once seen, you can't stop seeing it. You can blame this observation on my wife, Eunice. Keep up the good work. Loving the podcasts. Oh, and bonus points, says Philip, if you can tell which episode the clip comes from. Hey, there's a challenge. Uh, well, I can't tell you that. No. But I'm sure other podcasts can. And thanks, Eunice, for ruining yes. that bit for everyone. Forever. <laughs> That's right. Cheers. Thank you so much. Uh, a couple <laughs> more. Terry Marshall says, Hi, just watched your fab facts on Crossplot. And that reminded me that Century 21 are credited for the effects in the 1971 film Up Pompeii. If I remember correctly, there's a volcano eruption at the end of the movie. Wow. Gosh, I didn't know that I either. I like that. Yeah. I, you know, it turns out that I know virtually nothing 
Would you believe? Well, we know that. Are you surprised by that? Because we've known that for years. Well, it's, it's, I finally realised it myself. Yeah. <laughs> and finally, now here's something that crops up every now and then. David Munn says, uh, unsure if already mentioned, but it's popped up a couple of times recently uh, that Shane Ritchie has been seen in some vintage toy and collectible stores in the West Midlands while he's performing theatre. He's been on the lookout for Star Wars and Jerry Anderson merch. Maybe one for the podcast? Oh, I'd love to get a Shane. We have messaged a few times exchange yes, messages. Yes. He is another very, very busy man. But oh, I did, so busy. did discover some archive interview footage of him recently. Uh, ah. Some great video stuff from a long time ago. So wow. that may make an appearance in due course too. Great. All for now, but do keep those uh, lovely emails coming in. We do love to hear from you. Podcast at jerryanderson.com and I'll read them out next time. Hurrah. Well, yeah. thank you. Okay. Would you like some Jerry Anderson news? Oh, is it time for the news? Well, I mean, you're getting it whether you like it or not. So uh, no, are, are you ready to accept the news? Yes, I'm ready to receive the news. Okay, uh, here it comes. Yep, here we go with some lovely Jerry Anderson newsy news. Newsy news, 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 news. Why are you joining in these days? Because I'm feeling more enthused about the news. Does that make sense? Probably not. Yeah, okay. Like uh, anyway, let's get on with this, and uh, we'll start this week with this exciting ditty. So let's start with Century Twenty One Tech Talk. Clever old AC and uh, dear John Colshaw have been at it again. Cloudbase is out now on the Jerry Anson YouTube channel, YouTube.com/slash Jerry Anson TV. Jeff Tracy walks you through all the technical specifications and fancy features of Spectrum's flagship ship. That thing, you know, Cloudbase oh, yeah. is pretty cool. Also to note that we are, at the time of recording the news, 200 subscribers away from 50,000 subscribers on the YouTube channel, which is amazing. Yes. Thank you to all of you who subscribed so far. If you haven't subscribed, could I kindly ask you might be one of those last 200 to take us to 50,000. That would be great. Uh, you can go to youtube.com slash TV. We hope to see that number hit 50k this week. Uh, if you're a Captain Scarlet fan and a Barry Gray fanatic... Then the Captain Scarlet and the Mistron's original soundtrack on CD and vinyl is available for pre-order from the Jerry Anderson store, shop.jerryanderson.com, featuring obviously the themes, incidentals, all sorts of great treats from across the series, just all that lovely Barry Gray music that you know and love, including the spooky Mistron's theme and the use of, I guess it was uh, the on Martin Owen theremin, was it? Mm-hmm. I should know better, but there you go, here for yourself. Uh, I've got a little, little insight for you here. There will be a special announcement this coming Thursday. Oh, yeah. I can't say anything else, but uh, you'll definitely want to to keep an eye out for it. And uh, it will relate to something happening later this month. Uh, so, yeah, I wish I could say more. I probably breached confidentiality by saying even that. But, yes, something is coming this Thursday uh, about uh, something else later in the month. And you're going to, well, you're going to love it. Uh, if you are going to Birmingham Comic Con this coming Saturday and Sunday, the 13th and 14th of November, we're going to be there too. Exciting! Uh, do pop in uh, and see the Jerry Anderson store, the Anderson Entertainment stand. We are near the entrance to Hall 12. Uh, we will tweet our location and post it on socials. And we have a very special, exciting giveaway. If you come to us, our, uh, our storefront and ask very nicely, we will give you something rather special that you can wear. Mm. I'll say no more, but uh, 
I'm pretty excited. I'm probably going to be wearing mine all weekend. On the Saturday at 12.45 on the main stage, I will be live with Nick Briggs and Chris Thompson talking about Space 1999 and beyond. I think emphasis on the beyond, actually. There's a lot of stuff in Space 1999. We're going to give you some previews of the interiors of the tech manual. Nick's going to tell you what's coming up in the world of Space 1999 audio drama. We'll chat generally about where we think, think things could go, but we will have some some teasers, some trailers, some other info just to share with that uh, that crowd on the main stage. So do pop along 12.45, Saturday the 13th of November in Birmingham. Uh, I'm afraid I think tickets have sold out for the day, uh, but if you are there, then do pop along. We would love to see you and make sure to come along and get your free wearable gift at the Jerry Anson store. Space 1999 fans, I've got some good and slightly delayed good news, I guess. Let's go with the delayed one first. The Space 1999 Eagle Moss uh, Lab Eagle has been hit by these horrible shipping problems from all over the world that everyone's suffering from. But this one's, uh, I think, stuck on the water coming over from China. Uh, but we believe it will be arriving at the end of November or early December. So if you've pre-ordered that, then it will be with you as soon as we can get it to you. But... Uh, just one of those things which is continually annoying but out of our control. Uh, if you haven't got your Eagle Booster version yet, then uh, I strongly recommend you get that. They are selling out and we have our last few available. Just search Eagle Booster on the Jerry Anderson store. But the good news, you've asked, we've heard you. More Space 1999 cosplay uniform tops are on the way. This time, the red and purple sleeves. That looks great. Looks fantastic. We hope to launch these for pre-order this week, at the end of this week. And they will be in the UK and shipping to you by the end of the month. Uh, and hopefully there, no shipping problems from China because these are being made closer to home. So uh, red and purple sleeve cosplay tops are coming very, very soon. Since so many of you have been asking, uh, I hope you'll wear them with pride before Christmas. Uh, and finally, the UFO comic anthology is still available to pre-order, but the pre-order offer is now closed. If you ordered before 11.59pm uh, on the Sunday just gone, you'll get your free shadow patch as part of your shipment. Uh, if you order from now, it's just the book. But uh, the book is still available for pre-order and should be starting to ship at the very end of this month or the very, very early December. And we'll do our utmost to get it to you again in time for Christmas. Lovely. Goodness me, what a lot of stuff. There's more to come. Uh, I've also done recently a an exclusive interview with the director of the upcoming Jerry Anderson documentary, Jerry Anderson, A Life Uncharted. Uh, his name is Benjamin Field, uh, although I will call him Ben. And uh, that will be coming in the next few weeks, giving you some insights into the stuff that we've learned, how we're tackling the documentary, and why it's such a, an important and fascinating story. Uh, I can't wait for you to, to see it, to hear more about it. Great. Uh, that's all coming up very soon. But for now, whew, that's the end of this week's Jerry Anderson News. That was the news, infused about the news. <laughs> <laughs> Lovely. Well, we're all infused about the Jerry Anderson News, aren't we? Well, most Always. weeks, yeah, I think so. Most, most weeks? Almost every, every week. week. Yes, that. <laughs> Great. Now, you're listening to the Jerry Anderson Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to us, please. I For know I say it every sake. week. Oh, come on. It's the only way that you can be sure of hearing every new pod the moment it drops on whichever platform you're listening to us on. Subscribe, follow, befriend, like, get to know, stalk, whatever it is. Gosh. Uh, and you'll get to hear every That's... episode as it appears. Quite the range there. Yeah. Also, of course, you can leave us a lovely review. There's no rule against that. There is no law that says you mustn't leave a review for the Jerry Anderson podcast, so do it. Leave us a nice review and a rating. We might even read it out. And also, why not share the link with your friends and they'll get to hear us too. Now, if you're on Facebook, and I know a lot of people aren't, but 
quite a few are these mm. days, you can join in the fun on our Podstrons Facebook group. Just go to facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash Podstrons. Join in the fun. For example, Joe Smithy Smith has posted, uh, this is something I've only noticed as an adult, but I'll pitch the idea anyway. Ready for this? I'm uh, standing by. He says, I love Captain Scarlet and the Mistrons, and it's my favourite show in the Anderson universe. So the opening episode, the Mistrons, sets a little trend in a couple of episodes. And if I may, says Joe, the original threat from the Mistrons was, we will assassinate your world president. Uh, yes. We Halfway will assassinate your world president. There it is. Like that. Halfway sort of. through the episode, when Captain Black is watching Scarlet on the car view, he changes the plan to... We must have the world president alive. We must have the world president <laughs> alive. It's nice, just like being there. And I don't think that this is the first time in the show that this has happened. He says, can the Mysterons change their mind? Well, I should now, think so. Surely. Yeah. Well, I rather like this because it stirred up a bit of uh, controversy on the uh, Facebook group. AC, of course, weighed in. Of course with this. he did. Well, he says, at the end of the day, the Mistrons don't really care one way or the other. It's just a game to them. If they want to change the rules partway through just to confuse the pitiful human minds, it's no big deal to them. They could crush Earth in a heartbeat, and there's literally nothing Spectrum could do about it. They're just toying with humanity for their own amusement and curiosity. They never actually lose. They just occasionally allow the humans to think they've won. Hmm. Well, here, here. he's been giving it some thought, hasn't he? Oh, just a bit. Yeah, you might have heard that Facebook, uh, as a company, is changing its name to Meta, which has uh, struck a chord with Trevor Knight, who posted, Time to launch the Meta Probe. Way <laughs> Yes. And talking of AC, did you know he's been giving away stuff? What's he been giving away? Well, Robert Casty said, I've received this one-of-a-kind custom Captain Blue today, courtesy of the legend that is Andrew Clements. He even signed it for me. Thanks, AC. Oh. Emily Woodthorpe posted, I first saw Thunderbirds as a toddler, and now 20-plus years later, I have my first piece of merch, courtesy of AC. Goodness Thank me, you so what much. a busy boy. Well, I know. Steve Beresford says, Jamie, Richard, could you settle a mini-argument? Uh, essentially... Yeah, according to Wiki, Jerry directed all the episodes of Twizzle. However, some of us think that he only directed the surviving episode. Could you shed some light on this? Well, mm. no. no. <laughs> <laughs> I knew that was coming. <laughs> right. I'm very sorry. I can't tell you anything there. I, I mean, I suspect he probably did direct it because he was coming fresh off the back of You've Never Seen This. Arthur uh -huh. was very much on the cameras. So yeah. it would kind of make sense. They were a small team. Yeah, uh, yeah, I, yeah, I could be wrong, and I'm happy to be corrected. Sure. Um, but for now, I do not know <laughs> Earthman. All right, okay. Thank you very much. Sorry. Uh, Hannah, Hannah posted, I'd like to share something that I found connected to Jerry Anderson. While I was on holiday in America back in 2017, we were visiting the fantastic USS Intrepid and Space Museum in New York, and I came across the story of the Mercury 7, and I suddenly thought to myself, wait a minute... I looked closely at a trophy awarded to the astronauts and I spotted some very familiar names. Alan Shepard. Virgil Grissom. Yes. John Glenn. There they are. Yes, absolutely. The inspiration, of course, for the Tracy Brothers uh, from Thunderbirds. Yep. Good spot. Nice spot. Um, and finally, Ethan Powell shared his first post in the group. So welcome to the Podstrons, Ethan. Welcome, he Ethan. Says, Hello. 
Yeah, my name's Ethan, and this is my first post. A short while ago, I created this cosplay, and he posted some fantastic pictures based on New Captain Scarlet, something that was a bucket list dream of mine for years. It was somewhat finished around the time of Captain Scarlet Day back in July. What are the odds that a Scarlet-themed cosplay contest would be running? I entered my outfit and finished in first place, and I was delivered some fantastic prizes, courtesy of the Jerry Anderson store. I'm posting this, he says, as a belated thank you to the team behind the contest who selected me as a winner. Hopefully, everyone else in the group will appreciate the suit, as well as some photoshops done in the style of the original Scarlet Credits art. Thank you oh, to nice. everybody at SIG from Ethan. Did you see the pictures, Jamie? They're fantastic. I have not yet, but I'm going to go and look yes. immediately once this recording is yes. complete. Exactly. Very good. So, all for now. But, of course, do remember you can post your thoughts and comments, merchy, merch, 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 and your cosplays over on the Podstron group on Facebook. And uh, you never know, I might read them out next time. Oh, there's a threat. Yes, it is. Hopefully it? you will. Uh, yeah. Lovely. Yes, thank you all for posting and sharing your thoughts and pictures. We really do appreciate them. Uh, do. Richard James, I've got a little bit of a treat for you. Have you? Oh, come on, well, let's have a look. Instead of one guest this week, oh. we have several and mm-hmm. not interviewed by me. Oh, that is a treat. So Now that is a treat. Thank you. Now, when I say we have several, it is sort of in a manner of speaking, because this recording is a selection of excerpts from the Destination Moonbase Alpha virtual convention that were, uh-huh. was hosted on Facebook Live on the 12th of September, 2021. Oh. The convention itself took place over eight hours. Crikey. It featured 23 guests. Oh. And... It raised over £1,500 for an Alzheimer's charity. So that's brilliant. Brilliant. Uh, now, we nice. don't have time to play eight hours all uh, for you all in one go. Uh, no, in fact, we we're not? not. No, 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 because uh, we wouldn't no. fit in this 90-minute podcast, surprisingly. Oh, I see. But if you're interested, please do contact the convention organisers at destinationmoonbasealpha.com. Uh, mm. They can provide you with tickets for the 2022 in-person convention scheduled for next <gasps> September... And also give you access to the eight-hour version of this uh, recording. So oh, the, the, one, the physical one is sure to be a grand event. Uh, I'm hoping to be there. Uh, I hope you will be too. But uh, oh, Yeah, okay. That, what, that's an invitation, is it? Uh, yes, you're my plus one. Okay, good. <laughs> uh, okay, so here we go. Let's have about half an hour roundup uh, of some highlights from Destination Moonbase Alpha. On the 12th of September, 2021... A group of dedicated Space 1999 enthusiasts gathered for a convention. But unlike previous conventions, this gathering was entirely online. The 2021 Destination Moonbase Alpha Virtual Con hosted 23 guests and lasted for an 8-hour marathon session. Here are just a few of the highlights from that event. For information on replays of the virtual convention or tickets to the in-person event coming next September, please visit Destination Moonbase Alpha. Suzanne Peterson was background talent on Space 1999 and also had the honor of being the stand-in for leading lady Barbara Bain. Suzanne reflects on the enduring appeal of Space 1999 and discovering fan conventions for the first time. It's amazing, that's all I can say. Never thought, I mean, in all, you know, when we were making that uh, series, uh, never in a million years, I thought that we'd be on computers and you know talking to people at different parts of the world I mean it is unbelievable it's fascinating to me I lived in the states for quite a while I lived in in Connecticut and 
I didn't I, I couldn't believe that you were having conventions then and otherwise I would have been able to get more involved with it it was only because I've as I've said many times before it was my son Justin that said about these conventions and my first one was in oh, where was it um Peterborough Peterborough, Peterborough. that was yeah that was my first one and it it was really nice to see like Nick and Prentice and Anton you know and and it it was great it was lovely and so it's so nice to be involved with the conventions and meeting the fans because they seem to know more than I do <laughs> and you've you've maintained friendships over the years with uh with some of the Space 1989 cast as well haven't you Yes, 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 I am. I'm quite friendly with them. Uh, yeah. Prentice, Anton, and obviously Suzanne. I was really, we were really good friends, Suzanne Roquette and myself. Yeah. So that was really sad when, when she passed, passed yes. away. So it was sort of, you know, it was lovely. It was really good. Writer and year one story consultant Christopher Penfold addressed what makes Space 1999 different from that other famous series of the time, Star Trek. With commentary and questions from Christopher's co-authors David Hirsch and Robert Wood about their upcoming book. Um, I've been asked about the kind of central difference between uh, Star Trek and Space 1999 many times, and uh, I think Johnny Byrne put it um, at its best when uh, he said that the difference was that um, in Star Trek, the Enterprise was um, always under the control of its uh, commander. And uh, in Space 1999, the moon uh, was uh, at the behest of whatever gravitational pull the universe had uh, in store for it. So uh, the Enterprise was um, boldly going. Um, the uh, uh, Alpha people were on the, on the winds of fortune. And there was this initial concept for the show about how they were going to be the invaders as opposed to the, the saviors of the galaxy, as it were. I think that kind of evolved as the show yeah. progressed. The yeah. sense, yeah, virologists are all around us at the moment, but uh, the sense that uh, humanity was uh, some kind of virus that would uh, infect um, innocent uh, um, areas of the universe. I think that was uh, um, a theme which um, wasn't necessarily there at the outset, but which uh, came into the show as we progressed. Mm -hmm. yeah. So the new, the new book that David and I have written with Christopher Penfold's tremendous assistance and input is called To Everything That Might Have Been, The Lost Universe of Space 1999. And that kind of gives you a clue as to the contents I think it was um, uh, one of Jerry's uh, strengths, actually, well, Jer uh, Jerry and Sylvia, that um, they were open to suggestions um, from people like uh, Martin and uh, Barbara and, and other writers who were contributing to the show. There wasn't really, um, from the outset, although there was a Bible, there wasn't really a template for how this show was going to be. And I think that's one of the reasons why it's kind of admired now for not being uh, the kind of formulaic science fiction show that um, 
you've come to know and like or not like, as the case may be. Italian actor Gianni Garco overcame the language and technological barriers to share his memories of filming Dragon's Domain, in which he played Tony Cellini. But it was a wonderful experience. Uh, work on the set in Pinewood uh, was very well uh, organized. And there was a, an attitude of uh, a great respect toward the actors, which the community of actors uh, recipro reciprocated. Uh, I remember that in a window of the studio's restaurant reserved for the artist, uh, many Oscar awards were exhibited, uh, among which I saw the one received by Laurence Olivier uh, for Hamlet. I, I don't know if it was uh, authentic or a copy. However, it surprised surprised me because I remember that the Oscar of uh, Italian director directors were not exhibited in in Cinecita, but on the fireplace of their private home. So yes, yes, in in the course of TV recording, Martin Landau very often told me, don't worry during the that we were shooting before Chuck, before the, the take, don't worry, Gianni, keep your time. Uh, he, um, uh, this uh, kindness put me perfectly at ease. Nick Tate, uh, on his own initiative, uh, recorded my lines with the correct pronunciation. And um, this... Uh, you asked me if uh, Martin Landau told that story. Uh, what yes. about it? That's right, yes. Yeah, if, if Martin Landau told a story uh, that uh, he helped you rehearsing your lines, and if you remember working with him. No, there was no rehearse for Spice Pace 99. Uh, before starting the TV shoot, uh, the director asked the actors, seated around a large table, there was whiskey and uh, sandwich, everything. And um, director asked to everyone if they had problems with their lines. Some proposed uh, changes, uh, others made uh, observations, which the director discussed and finally, for the great, great, great part, accepted. I, given my English, remained in silent, uh, satisfied with my text. A fan favorite from year two, Sam Daster played Dr. Ed Spencer in Dorzak, Devil's Planet, and the Immunity Syndrome. Well, the thing that I most proudly remember is, I think it was on the Immunity Syndrome, I had this line about something about A to Z, and I said A to Z. And Barbara Bain looked very shocked and said, Zed, what's Zed? And I said, well, um, it's A to Z. And I said, oh. And then she looked at me suspiciously and she said, are you Canadian or American? So I said, well, no, I'm British, actually. Said, You're kidding. <laughs> and in a way, that was a wonderful backhanded compliment because this was the third episode I'd done and she'd been fooled into thinking that I was either American or Canadian by origin. I can't think why, but uh, she was very shocked that I said A to Z. So that's a memory <laughs> that I, I remember still very much. Well, they 
they asked my agent, they said, would he be interested? We're thinking of doing a third series. Would he be interested? And I said, well, yes, of course. And we never heard anything more. Yeah. And then a few weeks later, my what my my agent rang them up and they said, no, we're not doing a third series now. Right. So that was the end of that. Model maker Martin Bauer dialed in to share how he came to work for Brian Johnson on Space 1999, not just as a builder, but also as a designer. At the beginning, Brian said to me, uh, because of the distance problem, and of course there was no uh, computers then, there, there was no way I could send him the picture other than in an envelope. Right. But it was quicker to get in the car. Yeah. Right? So after I'd done the Alpha Child ship and got it there on time, and the thing he, he said that he liked about my models was the fact that they came uh, already weathered and looking like they could be used on the screen. And that's what happened. Um, I ended up quite a lot of the time um, being uh, allowed to work on models that he trusted me to design as long as they fitted in with a script and it became a regular uh, occurrence about every two to three weeks, sometimes less, sometimes more. And he'd underline in a highlighter pen the models that he really liked and the drawings that he really liked. And because he would then tell me how long I had to make them in, which was frankly uh, rather short. I wasn't used to working quite that fast. So I would go round, uh, go round shops pitching bits of, not pinching, uh, buying plastic kits that I could, you know, use to decorate uh, models. And that was the beginning of nearly three years. Yasko Nagazumi played Yasko in Space 1999, Year 2, but it wasn't her first collaboration with Jerry Anderson or her first role opposite Tony Anhold. So I just want to ask you, Yasko, in regards to your involvement in Space 1999, before you actually became involved in that series, yeah. you had worked with Jerry Anderson in a series yeah. called The Protectors. Protectors, yeah, that was with the um, uh, that um, Robert Vaughn was a lead, and I was a kind of a girl Friday that the, that the house, you know, that to keep the house, and also I was a protector for him because I was, I was supposed to be a karate expert. And then Tony was in the same series as well. So when I started working in the, the space 1999, Tony was very, very, I was very close to Tony. And then his desk on the set was very close to my desk. That's why there were lots of scenes in space 1999, with me and Tony in the same scene. I was never a fan of the space series. So I was so ignorant about everything. But the thing is, Tony has been so kind to me. And also Jerry and Sylvia has been so wonderful. And they were so patient with me. And you know, when I'm thinking about the Space 1999, I was very lucky that I survived because I was so ignorant. Anything to do with a spaceship and space thing, I had no idea. But Jerry and Sylvia had been so kind and 
somebody like Tony was so, so kind to me. And I was nothing but, but so grateful to all the, the people and the stuff, and also Keith Wilson. So right. I really had a wonderful time during the Space 1999. Anton Phillips was Dr. Bob Mathias in Space 1999 Year One. Coming from a mostly theatrical background, Anton recalled walking onto the set of the big-budget sci-fi TV show for the first time. And as I said, uh, you know, coming onto that set for the first time in a major studio, I hadn't really got very much film or television experience. So, And then to arrive on set, and there those two, uh, along with Barry Morse, who had been watching in The Fugitive years before that, yeah, it was really very impressive. You, know, you, feel, you feel like a fan. I wanted to run up and ask for their autograph. And uh, yeah, and, and it was just really nice working with them because they were not starstruck. They were just ordinary people who had a job to do, which they did very well, and, uh, and welcomed you. They didn't ever try to upstage anyone or impose their superiority in terms of fame and fortune on anyone else you know they allowed everybody to have their moments so it was it was a great pleasure working with them with all those three not just those two nick tate most famous for his role as eagle pilot alan carter has a story or two to tell and here's an excerpt from one about how he was cast in space 1999 the italian actor that was coming to play the head of, of the uh, the flight crews. He was going to be the chief astronaut flying the Eagle. He was a very good looking Italian actor. Um, I cannot tell you his name because I don't believe I ever knew it, but I've seen footage of him and um, Martin didn't want him to play the role. I mean, in the beginning, nobody knew why he didn't come. He didn't come. And one week before the show was due to start, panic stations all around because this lead actor who was coming to play Alphonse Catani didn't show up and they said he's not coming. So they were auditioning lots of English actors for that role. And then Lee Katzen, the director, came out, put his arm around my shoulder. He said, Nick, can you do an Italian accent? And I said, I can do anything. Italian. So I started talking with me, Italian accent, you know, like this. And I went, no, 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 no. A real Italian accent, you know. So anyway, I went in and I met Sylvia and Jerry and everybody and I did my Italian greengrocer for them and they were not impressed. And I was walking out the door and I said, I, I've still got the role that I die in, right? Yeah. Yes, no worry, don't worry about that. Dying. And Lee raced after me, grabbed me, and he said, Can you do can you do something else? I said, like what? And he said, turned to them, he said, Look, this is Moonbase Alpha. They're from all over the world. He could be, look at him. He looks he looks German, right? Blonde hair, German. And so they said, he said, You do German? I said, well, of course they do German, you know. We will ask the questions. This is my terrible German. I didn't get that either. So I'm walking out the door, and um, he said, oh, he said, let him play it Australian. And Sylvia said, no, 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 we've already got Cockneys, and everybody gets them mixed up, the Australian accent, the Cockney accent, almost identical. And I said, oh, that's bullshit, Sylvia. I said, Australian accent's nothing like the English Cockney accent. She said, yes, it is, darling, you don't understand. I said, I sure do. Every English actor they send to Australia in the big movies to play an Australian is a Cockney, and it doesn't sound anything like Australian. And well, it sounds a bit like it, but, you know, the Cockney is, is deferential. He talks, touches the forelock, opens the door for the governor. He's, uh, you know, I mean, in those days, they were always playing the little guy with the cloth cap on. 
whereas an Australian is aggressive. He doesn't count out a no man. And um, he calls a spade a spade. And he said, that's it. See, that's the guy. That's the guy we want playing Alan Catani. Uh, not Alphonse Catani, Alan Carter. And he, he made it up on the spot. And they went, oh, don't know about that. I went home and the phone rang at 5 o'clock at night. And my agent, Marina Martin, now Marina, said, you've got the role. What did you do? <laughs> so I told her the story, same story I just told you. And that's how I got Alan Carter. Series lead Barbara Bain fielded this question from the audience about how guest cast members were brought onto the program. Just, do you remember how Richard Johnson was cast as Lee Russell, and did you have input on the decision? No, I had no input on that, as I recall. Uh, in fact, all the actors who were cast were just splendid. So I had no impact, uh, you know, input on that. Everybody, we, we had such a wonderful pool being in London of all of wonderful stage actors just available there. <clears throat> There's a marvelous uh, pool of people like Maggie Layton coming on and yeah, Mr. Johnson, etc. And even uh, uh, what's his name, who is so magnificently scary. Um, oh. You know, he played it. He was tall. He had to be no. very, very tall. No, right. They put on the on the box. Box. Yeah, so he would be even taller. Yeah. Christopher Lee. Yes. Christopher yes. Lee. He was just darling. Yeah. Uh, every person I met in that group of actors was just wonderful. Yeah. So I didn't need to have any input. They were doing that very well. Sadly, these are all the clips we have time for today. For more, be sure to visit DestinationMoonbaseAlpha.com or look up the convention on Facebook. Special thanks to Warren Friedrich, Robert Wood, and the many, many others who were a part of this event. Until next time, here's a toast to everything that might have been and to everything that was. See you in 2022. Wow, oh, a lovely selection. So uh, thank you, yes. Ben Page, lovely producer Ben of this mm -hmm. podcast, who edited that together. But Great. also, of course, thanks to Warren Friedrich, Robert Wood, and Roy Belquist, and the many others who worked hard to make that event possible. Please Sounds do amazing. go to destinationmoonbasealpha.com, and you'll, there you will find out more about the event, uh, the digital one, and the in-person event, which will follow in September next year. That's 2022. Mm. Uh, of course, that is if the moon doesn't blast out of orbit first. Oh, I mean, that would put a real kibosh on it, wouldn't it? Imagine that. Uh, Imagine the yeah. irony, though. I know, yeah, breakaway day. Oh, yeah. it's it's gone. Oh, well, <laughs> yeah. since we're here. Yeah. To everything, to <laughs> yeah. everything that might have been, to everything that was, uh, including the moon. Uh, now, so th that'll be in the States, will it, I'm assuming? No, they are planning year? for it to oh. be in the UK, we believe, are in they? the uh, vicinity of London Heathrow, we hope. So, are they? Yeah, more right. on that very soon, of course. Ah, how exciting. Now, I'm going to head on over to Twitter and YouTube uh, to pick up some more comments from our lovely listeners. Uh, Podstron's Jeff Owen said, I've just heard the first part of the interview with Gary Martin on the Jerry Anderson podcast. Yes, he says, I know I'm a few weeks behind, but I'm loving hearing his stories. I can't wait till I get to parts two and three. Didn't he also do a Red Dwarf, says Jeff? I think he did, yeah. Did he? Ah, yeah. Nice. Well, uh, what, what were those uh, alien creatures in Red Dwarf? The sort of uh, early I famous know that ones. Well, you see, uh, Gelf was he a Gelf? Oh, really? Maybe was he? Yeah. I'm not sure, but yeah, yeah I'm pretty okay. sure he's been. He's been on most things. 
Yes, he has. And uh, over on YouTube, well, people have been commenting, of course, beneath the latest tech talk, which features the angel interceptor from Captain Scarlet. Jago Hazard posted, I feel like you could do a great spin-off series about the angels. Hmm. Yes. Well, like the comic series uh, back in the 60s. Ah, right. Yeah, uh, that'd work. Yeah, yeah. So maybe, maybe. who knows? Uh, mm. Exciting, yep. exciting ideas. Yes. Minical posted, I definitely prefer the classic angels and their aircraft to the CGI ones. I like how they got more of a role in the Thaden novels as well, says Minical. Now, I've got a long one here, but I've got to read it all out because it's quite nice. Hal9001 says, Good evening from Japan. Thanks to all involved for another great Andiverse video, this time featuring my joint favourite vehicle, piece of hardware of any of Jerry's various series, the superb Angel Interceptor. When I was a child back in the UK, my late father was sometimes away at sea for extended periods of time. However... When he returned, he often brought back some really cool and previously unknown in the UK models and toys. One of these, uh, bought, I believe, it was a long time ago, in Hong Kong, was a very cool Angel Interceptor. This featured a removable pilot and chair unit. The combined piece concerned could be inserted and removed via the bottom or floor of the cockpit. It had a detachable nose wheel leg and a popular at the time small friction motor underneath the main uh, body yes. which could be used to move the plane rawr, unguided rawr, rawr. in one direction. That's it. Um, sadly, he says, myself and the superb toy concerned ultimately ended up taking quite different journeys in life. Uh, and yes, I do wish that I still had it in case you're wondering. However, looking back now with a big smile, I can genuinely say that that Angel Interceptor was my favourite item of Andiverse-related merchandise back in my younger days. Thank you everyone for the uh, excellent work that you put into these videos and for your sterling efforts to keep the flame of Jerry Anderson's unique imagination burning for the benefit of global fans. And that was from, yeah, Hal9001. Isn't that a lovely memory? That is lovely, yeah. It's amazing how something so relatively small in the scheme of things can hold yeah. such emotional nostalgic yes. power that's right and stays with you for so long you know all, all your life it's incredible isn't it i bet you can still uh, hal uh whatever your name is yeah i bet you can still feel it in, in your hands and maybe even you know uh, as lee sullivan does remember the smell as well oh yes yes yeah, yeah. get get sort toy sniffing uh posture that's right get toy sniffing and within send reason in your, your own uh, your ar aroma based uh, yes emails and uh, We'll read them out. We look forward to reading those and sniffing them. <laughs> anyway, uh, <laughs> I can see that Chris has just inserted the oh. final screw in the back of the randomizer. Yeah. Oh, it looks like new, doesn't it? It's given it quite a spruce. Yeah, it must, Good work. must have sprayed some Mr. Sheen on it or something. It's got a lovely mm. shine on it. Anyway, yeah. so uh, Chris must now be ready to uh, perform his randomizer duty as the randomizer and give us a random Jerry Anderson episode uh, and say all the things he thinks about it, which are always witty incisive insightful and generally jolly so always shall we hand over to the randomizer? oh yes okay over to you chris oh hello everyone sorry no time for a big introduction today as this space ranger toy has already made today's selection and it's to infinity that's right and beyond uh, well no we're not actually going beyond uh, in the story in the story they go quite a long way beyond uh, obviously as the title implies but uh, those of us just listening to the story we're not actually going uh, you know all that far we're just sort of sitting where we are and and, and listening to it uh, you know you are a sad strange little man and you have my pity farewell oh bye then well, here's the day after tomorrow. 
Well, this is a lovely surprise to have on the randomizer. The uh, Day After Tomorrow or Into Infinity one-off pilot film from 1975. And uh, yeah, we've been doing episodes from, from full series for so long that um, I'd quite forgotten actually that there were things in the randomizer, one-offs like this and The Investigator and You've Never Seen This and Blue Skies Ahead and uh, Space Police, they're all in there. And uh, here we are with probably my favourite of the uh, unmade pilots, I think. Delta, the jump-off point for humanity's first momentous journey to the stars. Let's let Ed explain the setup first. Ship Altares, the first of its kind to harness the limitless power of the photon, particles of light which can boost the ship to 186,000 miles per second, the speed of light. This could create the effects predicted by Einstein's theory of relativity. Effects that could shrink the very fabric of space, distort time, and perhaps alter the structure of the universe as we understand it. Effects which no man has yet experienced, and you will share it. The crew are arriving from Earth. They will be the first to fulfill man's dream to break out into deep space, to leave the world we call Earth, a tiny planet circling a small, cool star we call the Sun. One of some 200 billion suns in our galaxy, the Milky Way, which we call the stars. And our galaxy, just one among billions strewn throughout the infinity of space, the universe. A universe not only stranger than we imagine, but stranger than we can imagine. I love that line. And there's our title, The Day After Tomorrow. I, I always assume that The Day After Tomorrow is the title of what would have been the series, and then Into Infinity is the episode title. I let Ed's narration play out there just to set this up for people who've never seen it, because I imagine there are quite a lot of people out there who have never seen this. Mission. They will journey to Alpha Centauri. There's a UN space shuttle docking there. I like the design of that craft. I like um, all of the vehicles in this um, special, a lot of them designed by Martin Bauer. Time dilation effect could create immense human problems for the crew. And another gorgeous map painting. Um, very similar, actually, to the one we see in Mission of the Darians. Uh, I suspect it's probably the same painting. Avoid the frightening dilemma of just resprayed. As returning to find their children as old, if not older, than they are, they will now travel as complete family units. Well, with one exception. No, don't make me sit and watch this bit. She has to say goodbye to the dog. I hate it. You'll take care of her, won't you, sir? If literally anything in life involves you saying goodbye to your dog and going far away and never seeing them again, trust me, that thing is not worth it. <laughs> you don't you don't go away from your doggy. And then of course we get the the sad close-up on Doggy's face. Oh dear. Yeah, but going back to that map painting, it's it's amazing that um I'm assuming that's uh, one of Keith Wilson's go to so much trouble for one shot and in the case of the uh, the the mission of the darians painting it was used several times throughout the episode that painting was just used for that one shot um i imagine it must be a, a complete respray of the darians painting because otherwise there's you know what else were they going to do with it but now our brave crew members are boarding the lightship altares we have well we have nick tate as captain harry masters we have uh, Joanna Dunham and Brian Blessed as uh, Tom and Anna Bowen. We have Harry's daughter Jane Masters, played by Catherine Levy. And we have the Bowen's son, um, Thingy, 
played by Martin Lev. I nearly got them all. Oh, I nearly got them all. Never mind. All set? All set. Right. Let's go. Yeah, this was produced between the two series of Space 1999 as a one-off television special. You would have thought that um, system. having watched him in action through the first series of Space 1999, you wouldn't then think, you know what, we should we, we should cast Nick Tate as? Atmosphere. A spaceship captain. Because he always lands his spaceships just perfectly. Gravity. But it is great to see him as a lead in this. He's He is absolutely leading man material. And he carries the special along with the rest of the cast. It's a really nice cast, actually, for this special. Time to lift off. 320 seconds. Yeah, Brian Blessed. We have Brian Blessed on the randomizer. Um, this is his second of three Anderson appearances. There he is, putting some things into some other things. Codes activated. And check radiation screens. And of course, it's obvious if you if you've never seen the special before, but you're a fan of Space 1999. All you need to do is look at it for a few seconds, and then you realise, oh right, so much of this is either reused from 1999, or it would be used again in the second series of 1999. Uh, and obviously, that includes most of the cast, including this guy. It's time. Good luck and goodbye. Don Fellows, who was the newsreader in at the end of Breakaway. May not be around when you youngsters return. Old age could have got me or something. You, Jim, you're indestructible. <laughs> Ooh. Don't be too sure. There's this other guy in red who's ahead of me on that. Yeah, he's wearing a costume that looks a bit like Koenig. Koenig's uh, you can see how you look from the cameras and dark sleeve thing. Well, good luck until we meet again. Goodbye, Jim. Bye, Jim. Bye, bye, Jim. So yeah, for those who don't know, this was a, a television special that Jerry Anderson was asked to produce by George Heinemann of NBC. Uh, they were putting together a series of. Um, shows for children, educational shows and specials, and uh, he needed some someone to, for some reason, he decided that um, explaining Einstein's theory of relativity was uh, a good place to start. So he got uh, Jerry to, well, he asked Jerry to create a one-off. Jerry, being Jerry, obviously came at this thinking, well, maybe we could create a series on the side here. So that's why you get. A special that's that's heavy on the um, information about Einstein and, and so on, but also heavy on the action and adventure. Mission. And considering there's only 45 minutes-ish to play with here, I think it's an amazing balance of both. A lot of the, the other Anderson pilots that never went anywhere, you can see why, you know, Space Police wasn't quite there, and you could you, nobody in their right mind was ever going to pick up the investigator. But this... This is this is this is balancing everything just right. It's a really nice, uh, nice special. And there they go, past the moon, course confirmed. which is still in Earth orbit in this reality. Three one seven. Of course, the lightship Altares looks a lot like uh, the Meta Probe and the Ultra Probe that we'd seen in Space nineteen ninety nine. It does. This feels, although it clearly isn't happening in the same universe, because you know, moon. Um, it does feel like the same universe in terms of tone and um, and view Stand by. regarding sort of humanity's place on Earth and in space. But here we go, we're all set for our first blast of the old uh, the engines. Velocity. We're now at uh, 50,000 miles per second. Still increasing. That's uh, 
making Brian Blessed's beard go all bushy. You're looking good, Altares. Acceleration effect is as predicted. You are well into the red spectrum of the Doppler shift. Oh, there's that, uh... Yeah, the actors have now all got uh, fans blowing on their faces. That this was something they used. I don't think they used this fan effect in the first series of Space 1999. I'm probably wrong. But um, they definitely used it in the second season. Extreme close-ups of uh, fans blowing on actors' faces in the Metamorph, I think it was. But yeah, this is the photon drive pushing the Altares into light speed and away from the Earth's solar system. And I like with this as well that it, although it's clearly so um, focused around Einstein and his theory and this and that, I don't know about anyone else. I don't feel particularly uh, educated coming away from this. I think more when I watch this, I think, oh, I had a really good time with this rather than I've learnt something about Einstein and his, his theory and the man himself. But a lot of characters in this one almost seem to sort of worship Einstein. It's, oh, that thing happened? Yes, just like Einstein predicted. Oh, he was clever. I'm getting ahead of myself here, I feel. We'll, we'll get to all this. Looks like we're on our way. We've a long way to go. And some lovely music from uh, Derek Wadsworth and, and Steve Coe to carry us through. I really like the music in it. There's a big blue planet coming up to us now. It's Pluto and it isn't really blue. We're travelling so fast that the light waves get squashed up to the short end of the spectrum. So it only looks blue. As it recedes, you'll see it turn red. It's called the Doppler shift. Mm. Navigators, you think you know it all? Just enough to get us where we're going. And this is something I find uh, unlikely successful. That's not a word, but again, it's another word I've invented. Goodbye, Pluto. Goodbye, solar system. Oh, that's a nice moment. Yeah, um, we have not one, but two child actors in this thing. And by and large, they're both brilliant. I know some people have criticised Martin Lev's character for... He's a bit of a know-all. He's a bit of a, a, a smug little guy. But um, that's what he's meant to be. That's what he's written as. So I don't fault him on his performance at all. And uh, Catherine Levy is great as well. And it's nice that... Seven degrees port. Yeah, all five of them are so gung-ho. Let's, let's do this thing. But she is a bit more sort of... Well, you know, th there's a reluctance there at times. Beautiful. As well as that wonder of, of what's actually happening. David. Oh, David, that's his name. Yeah, she's looking out the window and enjoying it, and he's there with his clipboard and his pencil and his head down making notes and observations. What I do? You haven't answered my question. Yes, I do want to know what's out there in space. Just imagine. There are something like a million Earth-type planets in the Milky Way alone. And considering the sci-fi shows and child actors, I think we, we got very lucky with these two. Even though it was just for the one-off. 30 years. It's a long time, isn't it? They could both be insufferable, and they're really not. So, yeah, f top marks to both of them for, for their performance here. Unfortunately, Martin Lev is, is no longer with us. I can't remember what happened to him, but um, as I recall, it, it wasn't... It wasn't anything good, unfortunately. I, I don't think he had a very long life, which is, which is a shame. 
there we go, we found Alpha Centauri on our charts. And it does look pretty. Everything in this special looks pretty. Again, it's a very strong influence on the the visual look of the second season of, of Space 1999. In terms of how that se season portrays space, there's suddenly lots of bright yellows and bright pinks and bright blues, and it looks kind of garish, but... The crew of the Altares... I think it also... it, it works. Profound wonder they feel at seeing what no man has ever seen before. I'm feeling a sense of profound wonder. ...work has first priority. Mm, what are we going to do? Satellites. Ah. These will transmit invaluable data, which, in years to come, will help future travelers to enter and explore the Alpha Centauri solar system. They are also aware that the scientific work they now do could bring immeasurable benefits to their own planet, Earth. They come from a world where natural resources have been squandered, where pollution and the haphazard destruction of the environment has put the future of humanity into jeopardy. Ah, nice little uh, of the Altaris nod to, to life back on Earth in the world of the day after tomorrow. Not really that much different from our own. Into the galaxy. Unfortunately. The Einstein's time dilation effect has created a widening gap between the relative ages of the crew and the people of Earth. Mm. Meanwhile, that was something I never understood, the time dilation thing. I mean, I don't I don't really walk away from this feeling that I've been educated at all. Well, we've done it. Maybe it's my own very short atten attention span, but I'd never understood the time dilation thing. Please, please, please don't leave any comments about that below this this episode because I'm never going to understand it. I think it's just one of those mental blocks I'm always going to have. Was traveling at the speed of light and was transmitted from Earth 100 days after your departure. Since your velocity was slightly less than 186,000 miles per second, it was computed to catch up with you on completion of your work program in the vicinity of Alpha Centauri. The time has now come for you to make a heartrending decision. Tell us about the dog. Turn to Earth or to move deeper into space to your second objective. Whatever your decision is, all the nations on Earth will remember your achievements with pride and affection. Unless you die, in which case, End of Delta transmission. you know, he could have brought the dog along for that. That's clearly all um, Jane's thinking about. Well, which is it to be? Now you all know the rules. I'm in charge. One dissenting voice, and we return. So, are we going forward? Or are we going back? forward? Forward. Okay. I agree. Count me in, Skipper. Jane. Yes, let's go on. Okay, we go on. <sighs> so, they're heading forward into the unknown, and all I can think about is, is poor old Springer the dog. We've got a real Jurassic Bark ending for that poor animal on our hands here, I think. Oh. Anyway, Brian Blessed is doing science things. Altera is now under automatic computer guidance. Hang on. You could be in for some gravitational turbulence. So going back to what I was saying earlier about um, Jerry having an eye on this as a, a, a pilot for a potential series, I've always found that... Certainly it's a consistent goal within his, you know, his pattern of, of production through this period. But I don't think there's... It's the ship. I don't think, and I, I said this in the in my um, day after tomorrow primer video. Actually, 
The idea of this one ship alone in the void. The computer's happy? I don't know if it could sustain a full series, and I noticed going back to, to look at that a while ago, lots of people in the comments saying, uh, well, what about Lost in Space? What about Lost in Space? Admittedly, I I have very little experience of Lost in Space. Just as Einstein predicted. Oh, there he is, Einstein. He's so clever. All this before we'd even learn to fly, let alone travel through space. Anna, mm -hmm. was his theory of relativity his life work? Oh, no, it's just a small part of it. He spent the last 20 years of his life in America, working on an even more fantastic project, the unified field theory. But he died before he could complete it. Oh, yeah, every uh, Lost in Space I've ever seen, well, I, I saw the movie, the, uh, was it 1998 movie? Back up. Obviously that doesn't count. But no, every time I've seen Lost in Space, the original television series, they always seem to be on a planet. And then either a, a, a Viking or a, a giant carrot turns up or, or something ridiculous. So, um, yeah, I apologise to uh, anyone who saw the, the Day After Tomorrow Primer and heard me say that and thought, ah, Lost in Space. Um, if there are lots of episodes of Lost in Space where they are in space, then... Um, then fine. I'm just. It's just that every time I've seen the show briefly, they've uh, they've always been on a planet. Anyway, we're not talking about that. We're talking about this. The photon drive has cut in. And uh, yeah, we've seen Alan Carter wrestling with controls and levers in the Eagle to no effect. Now he's doing the same here with the Altaires. Oh no, we have a failsafe, and it worked. Everyone's happy with that. Is it going to explode? Uh, no, it's flickering. The music is telling us this is bad. And it's gone. Oh, see, if that was an eagle, it would have it would have exploded. So we're back to fiddling with the lever. There's no way. I can't cut the drive. Just keep on accelerating. But it's pretty. We can't just keep on accelerating. I mean, nothing can travel faster than light. Can it, Dad? Yeah, that's what the theory says. Forget the theory. Strap in. <laughs> yeah, that's a good tagline for the special, actually. At least Jerry's approach to it. Forget the theory. Strap in. You're going to learn some stuff, but you're going to have some uh, some adventure along the way. And this is a very nice sequence. Um, everyone getting into their seats, but of course, poor old Anna is... Her bunk is at the absolute back of the ship, right in front of the engines, so... Everyone else has made it to their chairs in time, but she hasn't quite made it. And then we get this this um, rather impressive stunt. She's thrown across the room. Hmm. And her husband's noticed. You don't want to have Brian Blessed flying across the cabin. Oh, they're creeping up on the light speed. The special effects are whizzing past faster and faster. Everyone's got a fan on their face. Yes. Oh, oh, if you ever wanted to see out Brian Blessed's nostrils, then have we got a special for you. Thank goodness this isn't in HD. In fact, everyone's getting good uh, nostril close-ups here. Oh, exciting stuff. And again, with um, 
going back to the visuals of this, I'm not sure to what extent they're trying to ape 2001 just a little bit, which obviously was a huge uh, influence on, on the first season of Space 1999. Not so much here. There's a sort of... Um, I think the the music kind of pushes a sort of disco vibe. Um, we are definitely in the 70s here. But there's a sequence coming up near the end that I think might be a bit 2001 inspired. Anyway, did we make it? Hi. Yeah, we made it. The photon stopped. Uh-huh. Failsafe got back in. But the oh. in a reverse thrust. Are you all right? Yeah. How's mother? Mother. Hmm. Yeah, he couldn't call. It, 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 he doesn't seem like the kind of kid who would call her mum. But I do like actually that um, we have two family units here as part of this crew. You all right? And I know we've had like you know Atlanta and Sam Shaw and uh, I suppose the Zeros in Fireball XL Five. But this is. A nice and rare, very rare for an Anderson show example with the Bowens of a complete family unit. Father, mother and child working together as professionals. And that's what I, uh, something else I really like about this special is... No power at all now. That all of these characters feel... Acceleration must have burnt out some of the drive units. Feel like equal professionals, even the children. Space-time coordinates are gone. Which they didn't need to do. You you could have had just the adults knowing things and the kids come along going, Whoa, whoopee, wow, cool. We've been unconscious. Or how far we've trapped. So it's quite admirable again that they would paint the the children as, as trained experts in their fields. And again it doesn't come across as uh computer can't recognise any of the stars out there. Uh, you know, pandering. It'd mean we're off course by billions of miles. Oh. That's right. Oh no. What about Space Beacon Delta? Couldn't we get a fix on that? Or Navigation Beacon Delta? We try. But finding that beacon... is like hunting for a needle in a billion haystacks. Now, gotta face it, Skipper, we're lost. Lost in space. It'll never work. Yeah, and we're gonna stay lost without that photon drive. And What's the heat level like inside the chamber? I'll check it. The drive's shut down, so there's no radiation hazard. And in addition to um, reused props and main cast member from Space 1999, Joanna Dunham here playing Anna was in Missing Link playing Varna. And of course, Brian Blessed was in uh, Death's Other Dominion playing Dr. Roland. Heat insulation's weakened. So it's nice that um, we, we sort of not only reward Nick Tate for his service through the first series, we, we get these two back as well for recognition for, uh, for their guest work. And we're being pulled... Right, we go in now. Towards a star. Well, how long do you think you'll survive? Oh, I don't know. Well, if you wear the heat suit, about 15 minutes, no more. Right, we go in and relay. I go first. Tom, you and Anna get all the dope you can on that rate of drift, will you? Right, Skip. All the dope? You know, I so. Harry, I mean it. 15 minutes maximum. Now we've got to go in and fix the uh, photon drive. Because, of course, we've... Um, We've, we've um, come to a stop near this uh, star that's pulling us towards it. And again, this is something that happens a lot in this special. Considering it's only one episode, they basically cover any uh, interstellar, deadly interstellar phenomena that have ever been recorded. We don't want to lose our captain, do we? One after another after another. 
And again, with this family stuff, it does make the stakes feel feel much higher. You know, it's not just a question of John Koenig is is in trouble and Helen is getting a bit weepy. It's no, this is this is again a bit more personal. And I kind of get that they included the the children as a nod to this being an educational special, but the way they use them is very commendable. And there's that wonderful uh, huge metal door from... Uh, I, I assume this is the same one from Force of Life that Zorif forces his way into at the end. And we see it a few times in the second season of the show as well. And this is the part of the special I feel maybe takes a bit too long, and maybe there isn't quite enough going on, this repair of the engines. Because it's just Nick Tate in a, in a room with a tube and uh, a few props to futz around with. But what's this? The thing is going wee-woo-wee-woo. Let me see. Comparing it with our own Earth Sun, its radius is 10,000 times larger. Its mass is only twice as large, and its density, now this is the incredible thing, its density is less than a millionth of our own. Anna, these, um, these figures mm. speak for themselves. It's increased surface temperature, abnormal expansion rate. Hmm? The sun, it's uh, just about had it. Anna, we better set up a full sensor analysis to watch that sun right away. No, it doesn't look good for anyone or anything. And there was a lot of uh, technical jargon in that uh, that sequence. I did trim some of it, but um, to throw all that in the direction of children is is quite something. I do certainly admire this special for not talking down to children, um, for not only expecting them to be interested in in Einstein and all his theories and such, but to dying star to present them with this this content. And not really make any um, sort of concessions to the fact that it's aimed at a child audience. But it could stay as it is for a hundred years. I don't know to what extent, though, that um, a, a child audience would appreciate this. Um, and I mean that with all respect to the production. I, I'm not sure what age group this is, this is aimed at, really. I've got to say, like, 10 and up, maybe? I don't know. If you were watching The Day After Tomorrow as a kid back in the 70s when this was first shown. How did you respond to this? I would be genuinely interested because this is, you know, a rarity, a one-off Anderson pilot that actually got shown. Were you, would you have been on board for more of these? Did you think, what is this? It's clearly an Anderson thing, but I don't recognize any of the characters. I would love to know more about the the response this got at the time. Yes, smack in the middle. Because I, I, um, I hope it was well received. You tell him to stay in there. It deserves to be. Risks. Jane, we're all at risk. But now it's confirmed. Skipper. Yeah. Now listen, we've got to get the ship away from here. That red sun, it's about to blow. Mm. How much time? Minutes, just minutes, can you do it? Yeah! Anyway, Harry is now, having fiddled with the top bit of the engines, he's moved on to the bottom of the engines. Jane is not taking this well, and outside, the red sun continues to get redder. Dad, Dad, you must come out! Jane! Take it easy, honey. We're almost there. 
And if I don't make it, Brian Blessed will raise you as his own. When we were in training... I we... know, they told us something dangerous. I just didn't think it could happen. Not to us. Not to the man who played Alan Carter. Things always go so well on his spaceships. Harry, come out. I'll take over. Uh, nearly finished! Skipper, you're beyond the limit. You think I don't know that? Come on. This is, uh... Oh. Oh, as soon as I say come on, the sun starts to go over. <laughs> well, yeah, I was going to say this sequence is, was starting to drag a bit, but, uh... You better get in your positions. Yes, this is where it starts to build up to something more exciting. Harry's on his way out of the engine room. The music is back. Finally, we've, we've been without music for a while. That's it. Photon drive is active again. So now we can get out of here. That's it. Harry is staggering out of the engine room. Of course, he's going to be very hot. Only Brian Blessed can touch him because he has special gloves on. We fixed it, sir. We fixed it. Better get this ship out of here. Jane, get going. Oh, and Anna's got. Uh, Let's go. Get this ship moving. Helena's medical kit. Anna, go with her. Watch it. Yeah. And a really nice action scene here. And um, Joanna Dunham having a bit of trouble getting into the. Uh, the co-pilot seat there and uh, again going back to the the way they're using the child actors in this show we now have a child character she's in charge of piloting the spaceship she's the pilot of this spaceship as they make their daring escape away from the uh the exploding star and again the effects are looking lovely here Terry's is spinning out of control but at the last moment the engines kick in we start to move away. So, that's another disaster behind us. They've only been in space, what, half an hour at this point? And space is an absolute death trap for these people. You know, it would have taken the Moonbase Alpha crew, they would have spent a whole episode dealing with a supernova. This lot, oh, we'll, we'll 15 minutes tops. Where do you think you're going? But again, it has to, to be like that, to get all these scientific and space phenomena that we want in our story... Never better. ...onto the screen. How are we doing? No damage, and we're clear. Oh, good. Where's Jane? Piloting. Hmm. Doing a very good job. And this is a nice reunion as well. There's a nice, um... Dad! Dad, I was so frightened. Genuine feeling of family among these two units that make up the Altaris crew. Is this a good thing happening now? Could be just a pulsar. It's not the meta signal, is it? Don't go there. No, it's Delta Beacon! Quick, David, feed it into the computer before we lose it. Delta. <laughs> the signal was transmitted 15 years after we left Earth. That's right. Skipper, that means that we, we can now work out our position relative to Earth. It's our first real break we've had, Tom. Give us our course. We're going home. Yay! Everyone's very happy about this. Oh no. Anna isn't. And needless to say, typical man, it takes Brian quite a while to notice that she's staring forlornly out the window. What is it, sweetheart? 
15 years, Tom. Well, my parents, your father. Jane's dog. The old. Even dead by now. Anna, we're going home. Yes, Tom. We're going home. Because the alternative is staying out here and eating each other. I don't know what your supply situation is like, but I can't imagine it's... We're steady. Well, I don't know if, um... If uh, Earth was ever expecting to have them back or not. We haven't seen anybody eating or drinking through this thing. Skipper, we're off course. All to the 4.2. Oh, not again. Now, hurry, Skipper. Uh, we're coming under intense gravitational pull. Skipper, bear three degrees starboard. And increase power. More power! Can't break it. See, this is Brian Blessed in that magic period when he was still Brian Blessed actor before he became Brian Blessed! A professional shouty man! So it's... It's rare to see him saying things like we're off course rather than we're off course! Again, this is just a, a year or so before he was um, oh. ranting at the top of his voice in, in Blake 7. Here, he's he's very um, restrained. We've been pulled into a black hole. It's that tangible course bearing 30 degrees port. And yet it works. He's, um, he's perfect for this role. It's great to see him uh, as one of the leads in an Anderson thing. Now, there it is. A black hole. Or a black sun. They, d they don't call it black sun here, oddly. I know so little about black holes, except that they're stars that have collapsed in on themselves. They not only bend light, they actually swallow it. It doesn't say much for your chances. It's no good. We can't break free. Harry, my instruments are all haywire, but I think that hole is rotating. What does that mean? Oh. It means we may have a chance. Some say that if you pass through a rotating black hole, you end up in a new universe. Oh. A new dimension, even. I don't know to what extent that's true. Uh, given the track record in this special so far... There's no way back. I suspect certainly that there were people theorising that at, at the time this was made. Then we're crushed out of existence. Well, you've only got the one special, so... If you get crushed, well... You weren't going to do any more anyway, and if you don't... There's nothing more we can do. To escape, we'd have to travel faster than light. Now, you heard what Anna said. Nobody knows what it's like to travel through a black hole. So let's not panic. Ah. Just help each other. All we can. And hope that we make it. Yeah. Oh, Nick Tate's so good. Taking the hands of each of the children, and everyone's putting their arms around each other. Oh, we're in. We're going in. And here we go. It's all going to get a bit trippy. This is our attempt to uh, to do something a bit artsy. And uh, a lot of what we see here, I've always felt this. All of this could have been avoided if uh, any of them had had their their seatbelts on. Instead, as we plunge into the black hole and all these colours and things. Everyone starts throwing themselves around the ship, and we have these uh, these little moments of characters trying to get to each other and not being able to because they're not really there or they're running backwards or whatever. It's visually very interesting. The music also helps a lot. I mean, there's no denying it is incredibly silly. 
and yet it's thoroughly in keeping with um with the trippiness of you know the established trippiness of going through a black hole as established in space 1999 yeah, everyone's running in slow motion or being played backwards pulling silly faces it's fun stuff but um Within the context of these people being on a spaceship, I'm not entirely sure what a lot of this is meant to represent. Um, like, here's Brian Blessed screaming at an overhead projector. I was told the engineer would come and fix it on Thursday! Um, and then he just sort of gives up and wanders off. I don't know what direction they would have give, given the actors for this. If any. I don't know what was in the script. Um... So it's a it's a very nice looking sequence, but um, a lot of what we're seeing the actors doing is uh, is is just a bit silly, but great fun though. I, I do have a lot of fun actually imagining what the director was saying to these actors to get them to pull some of these faces or. Now imagine, Brian, you're running backwards and you see your wife, but she's not really there, but then you're not really there and she was there all along. Anyway, looks like it was a rotating black hole, because we've come out the other side, and it's even prettier on this side than it was on the side we were just on. Lots of pink. Lots of neon colours everywhere. It looks very pretty, and as, as I said, this special, I think, really sets the tone, the visual tone of um, a lot of the space shots for the second series of 1999. Where are we? Indeed, some of the, some of the effects, the space shots, were reused. I think the, the remnants of the supernova turn up in 1999 a couple of times. It's a new world. Yeah, we've turned up near a planet. Looks like we get to visit a planet after all, David. Yeah, we've no idea what's there. It could be anything, but we're ending this on a happy note. They have survived their journey through the black hole and crossed the frontiers of human knowledge. Ed says everything's going to be okay. They know it is impossible to return to Earth and to their own space and time. I'm not entirely sure that this is a particularly optimistic ending, considering it's an alien planet. There's only five of them. They can't get home. Final word. But Ed says it's okay, and I trust Ed. And you should too. A new universe, a new hope, only time will tell. This is Kent Brockman. Well, that was the day after tomorrow, and as I said, out of all the unmade Anderson pilots and bits and pieces that were meant for a series but never went anywhere, this is, this is by far my favourite. I really wish there had been more from this. I know there are the books, I've never read any of the books. But uh, I, I love the way this handles a lot of the space concepts, just the right level of engagement for a child audience. I love all of the actors and all of the characters. I love the way it doesn't talk down to children. I think it's absolutely brilliant, and if you don't have it, go and watch it. Well, oh, off the beaten track a bit there. Uh, well, as a pilot, it's nice to have. We had any, any yes. pilots before? I think that might be our first pilot, isn't it? Yeah, I, mm. I mean, I, I, I'm sure Chris would have said at the beginning of that, but I have already forgotten because I was so enthralled uh, by <laughs> Nick Tate's stressful fixing of the engine. Oh, yes, um, yes. And all that sort Gosh. of stuff. Now, it's, very tense. I was fine with The Day of Tomorrow. I, I do love it. It's very sweet. Yeah. But the educational bent that it was given, or try, they tried to give it, ah. does feel a bit forced at times. And it's in particular, as we saw, or as we heard, 
that E equals MC squared over the final <laughs> shot is a bit forced. How do we make this educational? Let's put uh, a scientific uh, equation in there. Yes, so Richard, that's a good idea. My question to you is, yes. what scientific equation <gasps> would you put over the closing oh. credits of this podcast? Mm. Right, we've got to tell you now or have I got to think about it? Uh, think about it. We, I'll tell you what, what yeah. as we get into the closing credits, you can announce right. it. Ah, oh, great. Brilliant. Look forward to it. Okay, I'm looking All forward right. to that too. So Chris will be back next week with a different episode of a Jerry Anderson show because uh, that's how it works. One time only for each. Yes, that's it. Then gone forever. So Richard James, is there anything else you would like to add now that the randomizer no, is done? I've read out some emails, I've read out some tweets and Facebook posts, I've even gone over to our YouTube channel and read out some posts. I think that's all bases covered. I think you've covered everything there. Nicely oh. done. Yeah, uh, it's time for us to take a rest. I know you're going to pop to the shops and grab yourself a little, uh, oh, a little, little something, a little treat. Yeah, yeah, quite right maybe. too. I might yeah. do the same. Okay. Uh, so, Podstron, thank you for listening. We do uh, love being in your ears every week, so thank you for allowing us access to them. That sounds weird, doesn't it? It does. Uh, but they're used to it now. Please do True. subscribe, rate, review, and all that sort of stuff. Share with a friend and ask us any questions or send your thoughts to podcast at jerryanderson.com or uh-huh. do it on Twitter. Oh, yeah. I'm Jamie yeah. Anderson. He's Richard N. James. Yeah. Him over yeah. there, still polishing his randomizer, is Chris Darling. Yes. And of course, you can yes. use the hashtag Jerry Anderson Podcast. And well, that's uh, it. Yeah. Using those Easy. things, we will find your message and Richard might read it down next time. Might do. Oh, but that's the end of Pod One Seven Eight. So let's go. Let's leave them to it. They've got a, they've got a busy week ahead. So um, have a good one. F equals M A. Stage one complete. Let's go. And could you explain why you chose F equals MA? Well, because it's quite simple, isn't it? Really? I mean, it's, you know... Also, I remember it from my chemistry lessons. Do you remember it from chemistry? I remember that because they always used to give us mnemonics to remember it, like fat pig's apple force oh, equals right. pressure times... Maybe that was acceleration. Maybe the, mesh, the mass and acceleration is the same, is interchangeable to some degree. Oh, um, right, okay. Yeah. Yeah, I have that, no idea. That kind of thing. Yeah. But, well, uh, you see, you learned, is at least they can say, if they've listened this far, they've learned something today. They've learned that we don't know that many scientific no. formulas. No. And even those that we do know, we don't actually know what they mean. No. No. But it's a nice try. It was a nice try, exactly. And I do have the sense that the, those, whoever idea it was to put E equals MC squared at the end of uh, Into Infinity, Day After Tomorrow, also had no idea, really, what bearing it had on the rest of the story no i mean they, they did so, talk about getting to the speed of light and the doppler shift and all that sort of stuff mm, but mm, it did mm. feel a bit like hey, how can we really ram this home i know mm. yes we leave an air of mystery uh whereas it just really left a confusion and irritation yes exactly yeah much like this podcast uh that's why we're here so <laughs> mission accomplished so well mission accomplished <laughs> uh anyway right you're going you're going to go and buy yourself a sherbet 
Yes, thank you very much. Uh, I'm yeah, going to do similarly, and uh, I'll see you next week. See you next week. Have Bye. a smashing evening. Bye. You have been listening to the Jerry Anderson Podcast. Wasn't it fun? You have been listening to an Anderson Entertainment production.